was in fourth or fifth grade, I was put into a, a, a new class. It was about halfway through the year. And, and I was put into a class where I was a new student. And I was also by far the youngest student in this particular class. And, and I remember how intimidating it was walking in there for the first time. Because if you know anything about school, especially in elementary school, there's kind of like a, a pecking order of who's hanging out with who. And, and by halfway through the year, everybody knows each other. And they kind of already know who they're hanging out with. And, and, and I walked in as the new kid. And I was really a lot younger than, than the rest of the class. And so I walked in and I said, this is really uncomfortable for me. And I'm really scared. And I'm really nervous. And there was one student there that more than anybody else kind of reached out to me. And he proved himself to be a friend. And, and from day one, he's like, oh, hey, you're new here. Let me welcome you. Let me show you around. Let me kind of show you how things work. And, and I got to say this, and I don't, I don't want to be mean about this, but first of all, his name was Fred. And, and Fred, like, he, if there was a nerd factor, he was really, really high up on the nerd factor. Now, now there are some people who, like, in, in elementary school, and I don't, I don't know what I mean about this, but in elementary school, they kind of have the part of being nerd, and they kind of grow up, and, 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 and they don't want to be the nerd, so they try to fit in. That wasn't Fred. Fred was fully comfortable being, he wanted, you know, he wanted that. He went all out. In fact, uh, in elementary school, like, most of us had, like, these, these desks Remember the old desk, you can fill all your books in there, and you don't want to carry any books home. And so you just put all of your books in the desk because you don't want to carry your books with you. Fred, in fifth grade, had a backpack, and this wasn't like a regular backpack. He had on like a full hiking backpack. It was camouflage. It was a huge backpack. It was so large that had the latch around the middle to hold on. Like it wasn't enough to have the shoulder straps. He actually latched this thing on because Fred carried every book we had that year every place he went. And so in order for Fred to make it, because Fred was not a big guy, he's a little kid, had the glasses, like the guy in the video, like he was full on, just he was a little guy. And so in order for Fred to make it, he would hoist that backpack up and he'd have to latch himself in to be able to walk around. And he walked everywhere like that. And the thing is, is at the beginning of the day, he had a lot of energy, he had a lot of strength. And so literally when Fred's walking around, he's walking around hunched forward so that he doesn't fall backwards. He's walking around like this. But by the end of the day, he was tired. He was wore out. And instead of walking like this, he's now walking kind of like this, like barely able to hold on to this thing. And a couple of times that year, I saw him. Like you could see him kind of starting to teeter. And I'm like, he's going to fall over. And sure enough, he lost his momentum and he fell backwards. Two things I had to remind you about. First of all, his backpack was full of books. So at this point, he's about, like his backpack's that thick, so he's about this far off the ground, and he's latched in. So he can't escape. He's like an upside-down turtle. Like, like he was stuck there. And I'm like, Fred, I want to help you, but what can I do? I was like, it's okay. And he would unlatch himself, and he would roll off the backpack, step back up, hoist that thing back up, and start walking again. I said, Fred, there's an easier solution. Don't carry all your books. Like, you don't need all your books everywhere you go. Don't carry all your books. Well, I'm wearing a backpack today because for us, maybe not physically, no one walked into church today outside of myself wearing a backpack. But in life, we're all carrying baggage, and we hoist up in backpacks like this, and we start to carry it around. We're in a series called Freeway. And the idea of this series is discover what it really means to be free in Jesus. To discover a pathway to freedom. Because we're carrying these backpacks. And we don't even realize all the baggage that we're carrying with us. 
And so this whole series, we're going to use this backpack today as an illustration. For those who've been with us, you know we've been talking through for this for seven weeks. We've talked about it in church on Sunday mornings. Some have chosen to do the workbooks throughout the week, and we have freeway groups meeting talking about the subject. Because I believe this subject right here is pivotal for people who are outside of faith, who don't know who Jesus is. It's important for them to understand freedom. For those who've been journeying with Jesus for a long time, it's important for us to understand we are supposed to be free, we are wired to be free, and we want to be free. we got all this stuff weighing us down, and we don't even realize it. So we said throughout the series, there's six steps on this pathway to freedom. The thing is, I'm carrying a backpack right now, and before I get into the six steps, I want to do this. Is, is Clayton Keen in here? Is Clayton in here? Clayton, can you come up, come on up here a second? I got a question for you. Uh, Clayton, this, this is Clayton straight volunteering for us. Uh, Clayton, I got a question for you. I got, I got another backpack on the stage. I want you to pick up that backpack first. And you, you're afraid it's gonna, something's going to pop out. Wah! No, I'm just kidding. Heavy? No. No, it's very, very light. Could you hold up with like one finger? Is that, yeah, it's, it's very, very light. There's not a whole lot in that, okay? Go ahead and put that back. We'll get to that later. I got another backpack. Tell me about this backpack. Is this backpack a little bit heavier? A whole lot heavier. Are you absolutely positive? Positive. Positive. What if I told you you're wrong? Would you believe me? Yeah, I believe you. You believe me, huh? (laughs) See, in the first service, my buddy Eddie was sitting down front, and he's like, prove it. I said, I'll prove it. Okay, go ahead. Everybody give up, Clayton. Willingly volunteering for that one. Anyway, uh... So we have two backpacks up here. This backpack, I agree physically. As I'm standing here, I feel like my buddy Fred. I'm about to fall over, which would make a great video. So if y'all are videotaping this, America's Funniest Home Video will make some money for the church. It's okay. Um, But I I got this backpack. And the thing is, for me, this is short-term. Like, I put this backpack on as I was walking on stage. But if genuinely I was walking around for days and weeks and months with with this backpack on, with the weight that's in it right now, at some point, I would start to get used to it. Um, my muscles would start to get used to carrying it on my back. I would start to get used to going through my routine. I'd come into work in the morning. It'd be a little bit uncomfortable trying to sit in my chair with the backpack on. But I'd find a way to do it. And then I'd, I'd go home and I'd play with my kids. I'd be able to pick Zach up and kind of counterbalance the weight for a little bit. And, 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 and I'd go through motions and try to figure it out. And then Josh, I'd go out and I'd play some golf with the backpack on. And, and, and I'd try to do all those things. And at some point, if I did this for long enough, I would stop being aware that I had the backpack on altogether because I would just get used to it. Well, in our life, we all have baggage. We have past hurts and past mistakes that we've made. And for a lot of us, we don't even realize the effect that the toll it's having on us right now because we just got so used to living that way that we just think that's the way it normally is. And so when we get into life right now, and maybe it's our wife says something, and it's not even that that bad, and we lash out in anger, and we say, why do we have all that anger? And it's because we have this past baggage. We have this stuff that we're not even aware of. And the first week, because we talked about the first of the six steps, the first step was awareness. And we said sometimes we're so busy in our life, sometimes the volume of life is so loud, and we're so rushed that we're not even aware of God's quiet whisper in our life. And we said, for awareness to increase, our hurry needs to decrease. If I'm carrying this backpack around long enough, and I say, wait a minute, I need to slow down. What is this thing on my back? I become aware that I have a heavy weight weighing me down. And so step one was awareness. 
Step two is we take the next step. It's the step of discovery. See, it's not enough for me to be aware that I have a backpack on if I don't figure out what it is about the past that's in that. If I can't discover what about the past is holding me back, I can't uncover God's plan for me right now in the future. And so for me to discover, it takes me now opening up this backpack, saying, why is this backpack so stinking heavy? And I reach in, and there's a chain. If you're here, how many of you remember this from week one? This was the first week. I was actually tied up in this chain as we started off this series. But that chain is really, really heavy. And so for me to uncover what God's plan is for me in the future, I have to discover what about the past is holding me back. Step three, and this is really, really key. I think this is the one where sometimes we struggle. Is we go from being aware to discovery to ownership. Ownership is me taking responsibility because if I deflect blame and I deflect responsibility, I fail to reflect what God is trying to do in my life. I fail to reflect God in the world. So I need to start to take ownership. I need to take responsibility. It is easy when I talk about taking ownership and responsibilities for my past mistakes. We all agree that that's a good thing for me to do. If I made a mistake in the past, I have to own up. I have to take responsibility. Where it is tougher is when I say there is a past, and there's a past hurt in my life. And I'm not responsible for it, so why should I take ownership for something I'm not responsible, that I'm not responsible for? See, for some of us, we put chains in our backpack, or someone else put chains in our backpack that we're carrying right now, and it's emotional stuff we're dealing with from the past that we didn't put that chain there. And we say, well, it's not my fault. It's not my problem. I'm not going to take ownership for it. That's fine. I agree. It wasn't your responsibility. However, you're still the one bearing the weight. We can sit here and say, well, it wasn't my fault. I'm not going to take ownership for it. It wasn't your fault, but it's still weighing you down. Until you take ownership for it, it's not going to just go away. And so it's owning up to those things, saying, God, I realize there's a past hurt that I have to deal with. It might not have been my responsibility, but it's weighing, me de- it's weighing me down now, and it's stopping me from being free. So I have to start to take ownership in that so that I can start to get to the fourth step, which is the step of forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is saying that when we hold on, it keeps us from moving on. If I'm holding on to this, if, if, even if I get it out of my backpack, but I say, man, that person hurt me, and I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to have my backpack any longer, but I'm still going to hold on to it. It's going to keep me still from being really, really free in my life. So holding on to this keeps me from moving on. So I come in, I, I go through those four steps, and I get to the fifth step. The fifth step is a step of awareness, of, of acceptance, I'm sorry. Accepting that, that God has given me a new name, he has a new plan for my life, that that thing no longer defines me, but that I've moved on from it. I've accepted his love and his grace in my life, and he's given me that new name, and he's given me freedom so that I can get to this final step of freedom. Now, I want to say this as we get ready to begin this. As we get into Scripture, as we look at this, a lot of us misunderstand what freedom is about. We think, well, freedom is about being able to do what I want to do. In particular, especially if we grew up, and, and maybe when we grew up, we had some rules as kids growing up, and our parents said, you have to do this, and you have to do this. And we say, man, I can't wait until I'm old enough, and I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to be free to make my own choices. And we think that freedom is freedom from responsibility. 
And responsibility is there's a list of things that I should be doing. And so if I don't want responsibility, I'm not going to do those things. Or responsibility is this. Responsibility is a list of things that I shouldn't be doing that I'm choosing to do. And, and for a lot of us, we grew up thinking, if I can just get to that point, if I get to that stage and I just be free to make my own choices, that freedom comes from being free from responsibility. And we start to live that way. And maybe, maybe for you, as you're 18 or 19 or 20 years old, and maybe you're in college, you're in the workforce, and you go to the mall one day, and there's someone out front saying, hey, we want to sign you up to give you a credit card. And you think, dude, there is freedom. They're going to give me a card. And I'd go into all of these stores, and all I have to do is swipe this card, and they're giving me stuff, and I go and I have a mobile app on my phone, and I look at my phone, and my bank account hasn't changed. You want to talk about freedom Man, I'm just swiped. I just got this plastic thing. It's not hurting me. My bank account isn't changed. Look at the freedom I have for a short time. And the first month that bill comes, you're like, wait, how am I supposed to pay that? Or we get into the party scene and we start to think, well, freedom is me being able to do whatever I want. And so I'm going to start partying and I'm going to party hard. And I'm going to get really involved because I'm free now. I can make my own choices. And if I do these things for long enough and I do these things hard enough, I find that the very thing I thought was going to bring me freedom is instead bringing me slavery. Because I thought freedom, real freedom, came from an absence of responsibility. But true freedom isn't a freedom from responsibility. But it's a freedom to responsibility under the grace of God. If we're choosing today to follow what Jesus has for us, it's a freedom towards that responsibility. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it with 2 Peter chapter 2. I want to look at this this morning. And here Peter's writing to the early church. And he's actually addressing an issue that has arisen in the church where, where there's some people who maybe earlier on they met well, and, and, and there's a group of people who are, have started following Jesus, and they're all really, really new to church, and they all come from a pretty sketchy background. And, and so they're following Jesus, but they're really new to this. And there's a group of, another group of people that have come in, and they started teaching, but they're false teachers. And they start to teach this idea that, well, there's grace and there's forgiveness under Jesus, so once you choose to follow Jesus, you're good. Go do whatever you want. You now have freedom. Do whatever you want. Party hard. Swipe that credit card. Do whatever you want. There's grace and freedom under Jesus. And Peter writes, and he's basically teaching us, wait, freedom isn't a freedom from responsibility. It's a freedom towards responsibility under the grace of God. And he says about these false teachers in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, he says about these false teachers, these are waterless springs. And mists driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. He says these false teachers are waterless springs. It seems like good stuff should be coming out. But when we get there, the springs are waterless. And their mist is kind of being driven around. There's no point to it. There's nothing that's happening. These are false teachers that are leading us astray. And for them, he says, for these false teachers, the gloom of utter darkness, like the judgment is coming, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved because of what they're doing. They're taking people who are relatively new to the faith, who have a very checkered past, who are trying to grow in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is, and these people are leading them astray. And so he says, listen, there's, there's judgment coming for these false teachers because they're leading some people who are trying to follow Jesus. They're leading them astray, thinking they could do now whatever they want. And he says this. For, again, about these false teachers, speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh 
those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. So they're using what is appealing to people in their flesh to lead them astray and to lead them from error. And these are people who are barely escaping from those who live in error anyway. These are people who are new and they're raw and they're trying to grow. And these teachers come in with this false teaching, giving in to those, those sensual pleasures. And then he says this, verse 19. They promise them freedom. So the false teachers are promising to those people who are new believers, who are new to this whole Jesus thing, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. He says, man, these people, these false teachers are promising them freedom, but they've never discovered freedom themselves, and instead they're slaves of corruption, and this is key to this message, whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. If I'm overcome with desires to go out and party hard, then I become a slave to that. If I'm overcome with desires to go and and spend on a credit card and spend just with no restrictions at all, then I become a slave to that. Often what we think is bringing us freedom is only bringing us slavery. And God says, it is my desire for there to be freedom in your life. And if there's past, in, past baggage in the past you have to deal with, deal with that stuff and begin the process of moving on. Deal with it. Become aware of it. Discover it. Own it. Forgive it. Accept God's new name for you and God's new plan for you. And then discover what real freedom is about. And I want to do something. And I wish, literally I wish we could do this every single Sunday morning in church. But I want to give the church, as a church as a whole, I want to give the permission to be free. When we come to church today and for the rest of our time here, if that's weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, whatever it is, there should be freedom in the church. How we live individually, there should be freedom. And how we worship collectively, there should be freedom. We're finishing up the series in just a few minutes with a bold declaration of freedom. And our band's going to lead us in one more song at the very end. And the goal is that as we gather together, there's freedom in our life individually, and there's freedom as we gather together collectively. And as we gather together, if there's freedom, it says, God, I don't want there to be chains holding me back. The way that I love people around me, I don't want to be held back by chains. The way I worship you, I don't want to be held back by those chains. And so I want to give you permission. If you didn't know this, you're allowed to be loud in church. You're allowed to be passionate about following Jesus because I promise you this. There's not one person in this church. I, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, man, I want to sing, but I have just a bad voice and I don't sound good. I promise you this. There's not one person in this church that has a worse voice than myself. I promise. And Kyle agreed. My wife agreed. See, they make fun of me, but this is an absolutely true story. A couple of years ago, I'm on vacation with my wife's family. And, and we're, at, we're at a church in Outer Banks of North Carolina. And it's a packed church. It's a small church, but it's really, really packed. So everybody's kind of on top of each other. And Beth comes from a family. They're all kind of musically gifted. And, and all of her brothers, she's, she's the oldest. She has three younger brothers. And all of her brothers all sing pretty, you know, fairly well, pretty well. And, and, and I'm there in the midst of her and all of her brothers. who are all very good vocally. And, and I don't consider myself very good vocally at all. And, and, and we're sitting there, and we're standing in rows, and, and a band similar to our band is up on stage. And they're leading us in worship, and we go through the whole worship service, and the pastor preaches. We get done, we sing one more song, and there's, there's an older lady right in front of me. 
And as soon as the service was ended, she turns and all the brothers are around me. They all sing really, really well. But she looks right at me and she says, sir, I need to let you know you have a beautiful voice. I've been saying this all along. They don't agree. I don't understand. Now, here's the deal. I say that because that lady had some sort of filter in her life because I don't have a good voice. But I know this. God hears our heart. And so when, God, when we sing, God's not worried about how vocally challenged we are because God also has a filter. He's hearing the cry of our heart. And so as, as bad as I sound vocally, and as much as I say I'm probably the worst voice here this morning, some of y'all might challenge me on that. I'm okay with that. But as, as bad as it sounds vocally, when God hears cry of my heart, I promise you this as well. When the band leads us in that final song, I don't think there's anyone that's going to be singing louder than I will. I want there to be freedom. And we have a chance this morning to declare that freedom. If you open your Bibles, go back to Galatians chapter 5. If not, the words will appear up on the screen. At the very beginning of, of this series, we started off by talking about how God's desire in our life is for there to be freedom. In fact, Galatians 5 verse 1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. The very reason Jesus came here to earth to die on a cross for our sins is to give us freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus died to set us free. Don't go back to that slavery. Have freedom. Experience that freedom. Experience that forgiveness. You see, we had the first five steps of this journey. We went through those five steps, and we get to the point of freedom. But here's what a lot of us do. We get rid of the chain. We throw the chain away, and we say, man, this backpack now is a whole lot lighter. And I can put this backpack on now, and I feel really, really free. So I'm going to walk around now light and load, but still with a backpack on. And then because a lot of us are emotionally and spiritually hoarders in our life, we have a backpack that when I get to the next part of my life, there's more baggage and more stuff. And I'm like, well, i got an empty backpack. Let me start to fill it up. And before long, we've added to that bondage again. So slavery is me discovering, man, I don't need this backpack anymore. Let me discover freedom so that I no longer go back and submit myself again to the yoke of slavery. And I'm going to flip out to finish up this, this series down in verse 13. Paul, writing to the church of Galatia, he says this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. We have been called as believers. If you're a believer this morning, you've been called to freedom. He says, don't use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We have been called to freedom, and that freedom comes with a responsibility. Because we've been called to freedom, and don't use that as an opportunity for the flesh, but instead, freedom gives us the opportunity that through love to serve one another. God's called us to freedom, a freedom that brings a responsibility under His grace, and He enables us to be able to participate in that. And he says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in one idea, in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, this one idea. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
So I asked earlier for Clayton to give me his opinion on which backpack was heavier. And Clayton, because he probably knew I was up to something, answered, okay, I'm, I'm not going to doubt you on this one, but, but I asked, is there any way at all this backpack is heavier? And, and on the outset, if, if, if you were up here, like literally I can hold this up with one finger, physically it's, it's, it's not at all heavier. But if you were here last week, at the end of the, at the, end of the service last week, every got, everybody got one of these. And I asked you to write the one thing, as we get ready to wrap up the series, write one thing on this slip of paper. And I asked you to write down the one thing that is most holding you back from freedom in Christ in your life. Or, if there's one thing, maybe you've defeated that, but it keeps recurring in your life. What is the one thing that keeps holding you back from freedom? And to turn those things in. And this week, we actually took all those things that were written. And we made a separate chain out of them. And we added a few chains just in case we had some extra people here this morning. But even if you weren't here last week, I want you to think about this. What is the one thing in your life that is holding you back from freedom right now? Or what is the one thing that, in a recurring basis, keeps holding you back from freedom? And I had a chance on, I think it was Tuesday morning this week, Monday morning, I had a chance to go through and pray over some of these. These are all from the second service with some extra additions, and I did the same thing with the first service. And in this, I saw heartache and I saw pain. I saw past mistakes, at times some heavy mistakes that people made. I saw people that are continuing to live in guilt and a shame that have never experienced forgiveness or never granted forgiveness. Some of the situations were heartbreaking and some of the situations had questions. And some of the situations cannot be resolved simply through a short talk about that topic during a message. But there's heaviness and there's heartache. And, and so when I said, which of these backpacks was heavier, this one's much heavier. Though it seems lighter, there's heartache and there's pain and there's devastation in this list. And these are the things that on a daily basis are weighing us down, often in ways we're not even aware of. And so we're going to do this as we wrap up this series this morning. In just a second, I'm going to pray. Praying specifically for freedom in these areas. Towards the end of the prayer, I'm going to come down. I'm going to lay these down across the front of the church here. There's a song that we started to learn last week, a Lauren Daigle song. All about freedom. Incredible words. Incredible lyrics. We're actually going to play a video with the lyrics of that song coming on. As that video is playing, if God leads you to do this, I don't want you to go and find the one that, that you wrote because that would be impossible to do. But if you want to say, God, I am right now boldly declaring freedom over whatever that one thing is, even if yours isn't here, if you weren't here last week or you didn't write one down, if you say ceremonially, I want to come down, I just want to find one of the chains on here, it doesn't matter which one, and I want to take it and I want to rip that up and throw it on the ground. I want to invite you to do that. And when you're done, move out of the way. Let other people do the same. But stay up here. We're going to kind of close it down up here. So as once I get done praying, the song will be playing up on the screen. Lyrics will be appearing on the screen. If you want to partake as other people are coming down, make room for them to the sides. And say, God, I want to declare, boldly declare freedom in my life over the one thing that is most holding me back. And I want to publicly declare that I want to be free in front of my friends and publicly declare freedom over that. I invite you to do that this morning.
Let's pray. Father, this chain is a chain of, of shame, of guilt, of, of regret. It's, it's, it's a chain that has brought heartache and, and, and pain and, and has areas of devastation in people's lives. It's families that have been decimated by tragic events that have happened. People who have been hurt by family members that should have been there. People who have missed key relationships in their life. People who've made huge mistakes themselves, they don't know how to get past it. God, it is my desire as a pastor to see people experience freedom. But as long as chains like this hold us back, we can't discover what it really means to be free in Jesus. Scott, it's my prayer this morning, not just in the song that we sing, but in the life that we live, that Jesus is lifted up. That he is our freedom giver. And that we experience that. And that we share that. Because God, I don't always know why we go through difficult seasons and difficult parts of our journey, but I know that rescued people rescue people. I know that once we are rescued from this heartache and this pain, that it gives us the ability to start to rescue other people going through similar heartache and similar pain. And so God, I pray we realize this is part of our journey, but that we can be free of that and experience true grace and forgiveness because of what Jesus did. And once we have that, God, we would never go back the way things used to be. God, give us freedom. And this morning, let us publicly declare freedom in front of the people that are here and before you. God, let us publicly and boldly declare that freedom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.